So this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12. And last week, if you remember there at the end of chapter 11, Jesus, there speaking to the Pharisees, speaking to the leaders, had given them an invitation. And for those who are in Christ, it was more than just an invitation. It was really a command. He told us to come to him to come to him, all who labor and are heavy laden. And he said he would give us rest for our souls. He told us to learn from him. What were we going to learn? That he was gentle and he was lowly of heart. He told us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And today we're going to see um, uh, that word just explored at a greater and deeper level. We're going to see Jesus, though, finding himself now at odds with the religious leaders. They want him to obey their idea of what the Sabbath is. And so Jesus is going to teach them what a true Sabbath is all about. And I love this because the the yoke that Jesus offered, it was easy and the burden was light. And Jesus was about to deal with these Pharisees regarding their difficult and overbearing burdens that they had put upon the people that were weighing down the people. And listen, the very thing that the Lord himself is against. So with that being said, let's look at verses one through eight together. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath And his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. I find it interesting that the Pharisees were out following Jesus and the disciples instead of uh, observing the Sabbath themselves, but that's for another time. Verse 3, but he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so in this first section, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at love over legalism. What is legalism? Legalism is where you are following the law to the point where it actually can become detrimental or harmful to you or to others. So the Sabbath is one of the most important teachings that we can read about in the Bible. The word Sabbath or Sabbat or Shabbat, it means rest. And even today, there will be people or even churches that will try to tell you what we must do regarding the Sabbath. Well, I remember in Colossians that Paul said we are not to allow food or drink or customs or festivals or even Sabbaths to determine what we should do or not do. 
In fact, if you remember in Exodus chapter 20, the Sabbath was something that God spoke on as a commandment. It's the fourth commandment given. He said in Exodus 20 verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor uh, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. So the idea here was that God wanted to take one day out of the week, and he wanted the people to find a day of rest. They, they were not to continue just work themselves and work themselves, and not just them, but all who were in their household, and listen, even the very land that God had given them. He said, listen, on that seventh day, I want you to rest. So as we know these things, the question that's asked is this, was Jesus breaking the law? Was he breaking the Sabbath? But here we're going to see Jesus uses two examples right from Scripture as an example from the Old Testament to show them their answer. So the first one that he brings up is David. So if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 21, and you read about David, you see David is on the run from Saul, and he and his soldiers were hungry, and they were in need of food. So they went to the house of God, and the priest there uh, gave to David and his men the bread from the table of showbread. Now listen, normally this would have been a huge sin against God that was deserving of death. But the priest gave it to them anyway. Did he give it to him because he was fearful of David? No, he didn't give out of fear. He gave out of love. But then the next example, he says this. He says with the priest, Jesus brings up that the priests who were working in the temple on the Sabbath day, they were performing sacrifices. These sacrificial rituals, which were in place there to, uh, uh, to cleanse the people, um, they, and it was done as also an act of worship, um, these things were in place, and even on the Sabbath, the priests were still hard at work in the temple. But I want to bring this up. Did you notice that Jesus said this? He started off the whole conversation with, have you not read? Listen, everything that we need in this life, God has given to us through his word. The Bible tells us that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you're going to need can be found in the word of God. Because the word of God, whether it doesn't say it directly or even when it does say it directly, we have access to God to go to him. And as we go to him and we bring these issues up to him, God will always affirm his word. He will never go against his word. So if you're going to tell me that God is going to go against his word, I'm going to point back to you the very word of God where it shows how God never broke the law. Jesus never broke the law. He said, I did not come to destroy the law, but what? To fulfill the law. So Jesus brought this statement up because the, the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they were severely erred in their understanding of the law and not just the understanding of what was written, but they misunderstood who, they misunderstood who wrote what was in the law. So that as David brings up the, or as uh, Jesus brings up the fact that both David and the priests were doing what they were doing on the Sabbath, it wasn't actually breaking the law. In fact, listen, if they would have known Jesus, they would have known that he wasn't breaking the law. 
But if they had known Jesus, they would have understood why Jesus was bringing this up. He said this, he says, have you not understood this, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice? This was out of Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Listen to what he says. He says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Jesus wasn't breaking the Father's commandments. He was breaking their commandments. Their additions to the law were not only unbiblical and unnecessary, but it misrepresented God. It was about this, guys. It was about relationship over ritual. It was about love over legalism. Jesus was proclaiming himself, listen, over their form of Judaism. And he said this, he says, there stands one greater in this place than the temple. Everything that the Jews had longed for, everything that they had been told about in the word, the expectation that the Messiah would come, Jesus was the full representation of that. And listen, listen, in John chapter 1, verse 1, he tells us something profound. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word of God. And the Word was with God, listen, and the Word was God. So the Word of God is also God, but He was also with God the Father. And we see that that Word, in verse 14 of John chapter 1, became flesh and dwelt among us, and then we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of, listen, grace and truth. Jesus came to, to be the fulfillment of God's Word. He said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your Word. Your Word is truth. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The very truth of God was standing before the religious leaders, and they were still trying to bind people up in their interpretations or in their misguidance of their law. It wasn't the fulfillment of what God's law, because the fulfillment of God's law wasn't that It wasn't about sacrifice, it was about mercy. No sacrifice that man could do with an animal would ever be sufficient to to forgive the sins of the people for all time. It was only until the Messiah would come, and here is Jesus standing there before them. And they were trying to tell him that, that they were breaking the law by doing something on the Sabbath. And he's like, listen, what they were doing on the Sabbath was good. It was about taking care of people. God's law was not given so that we would um, be, we would not lord over people. That we would not hold people down with the law. That was never, ever God's intent. Jesus was actually fulfilling the law that that the Father had sent him to do. I find it interesting what he said there about the temple. Because you have to understand, in Jesus' day, there stood this temple. It was Herod's temple. It had gone through many refinements. But there were some things that were missing out of the temple. One of those things that was missing right off the bat was this. It was the Shekinah glory of God. Number two, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't in the temple at that time. 
So if the temple did not have the Shekinah glory, it did not have the Ark of the Covenant, it didn't have the, the uh, Omim and the Thurim, which were parts of the, the, the uh, high priest wardrobe, they didn't have all of these things, and yet they still continue to try to hold these things over people. But what was standing in front of them? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. He is the temple made not with hands of this earth. He is the all-encompassing God. He is our ark. He is our Shekinah glory. And he is the full representation of our great high priest. You know, there's three offices that Jesus withheld. He was a prophet. He is the great high priest. And he is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. And there he is standing in front of them. And the people are witnessing it. But the religious leaders of the day are trying to suppress that. Because he's interrupting their system. Now, I want to say this, even though it's not recorded here, it's also recorded in the other accounts, uh, uh, in the other gospels accounts of this. He, Jesus makes a statement that he is the, the, that the son of man is even Lord over the Sabbath. And listen, when he made this statement here in Matthew, he, he, he knew exactly what he was saying. And the religious leaders also knew what he was saying. How do we know? Because Jesus was making the statement that he was the same as God. He made himself equal with God. And we know that that's true because in Philippians chapter 2, it says that he, it was not considered robbery. It wasn't him stealing a title for himself to be called equal with God because he is God. But he made himself of no reputation. And he took on the form of a bondservant. So he's declaring that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. But I want to make this note in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He, he, he brought something that, that we should grab hold of today. He said this, he says, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. God gave the Sabbath for man to find rest. Not for the day of the Sabbath to have a Lord over the people to make it a burden on the people. And listen, here's some of the different examples that we know that the religious leaders had put on them. They had things like they weren't allowed to help people. If you were severely cut and injured and bleeding, you couldn't do any work to save that person. That person had to wait until the Sabbath was uh, completed before they could get the help that they needed. But yet, if an animal was in danger, it was okay to save the animal. There's all kinds of different examples. I'm, I'm not going to go into them. But the reality was is that the, the religious leaders had made the Sabbath into something that God never intended for it to be. And we see Jesus continues this conversation with them, starting in Matthew 12, 9. It says, now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue and behold, there was a man who had, who had a withered hand. And they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? So they were trying to set a trap for him. Then he, Jesus said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? 
Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. So in that first section, we saw that it was love over legalism. And now we're going to see a healing over their hypocrisy. So again, Jesus, right after this encounter, he went straight over to the synagogue. I love this because Jesus was a faithful Jewish man. In other words, Jesus didn't let things stop him from going to church. For all of you who are watching, you're not letting the fact that we can't gather together physically here today, you're not letting that stop you from joining us as part of the service. Why? Because, listen, it's not about a building. It's not about an organization. We know that we, as the people of God, we are the church. And so we have to be the church, right? And so here's Jesus. He goes into church and yet these people are freaking out because they're, they're making it seem as if Jesus is breaking their law. And yet they turn around and they get more bold by pointing out a man who has this withered hand. And they're ready, they're going to be ready after this to take his life. They're going to plot on how they might destroy him. And listen, all of these things are just revealing their heart. And yet, listen, Jesus knows this. And he still goes to the synagogue. Jesus always sees guys through their traps. Listen, the world is plotting against Jesus all the time. There are laws in, um, in all these different places in the world that has forbidden Christianity. There are even laws that try to get introduced here in our country, trying to minimalize Jesus, trying to take away um, our right to worship the Lord. They're trying to throw the Bible out. They thought, well, if I can just get the commandments out of uh, of uh, schools, if I can get there to be a separation between the church and state. Listen, they can put in their laws all they want, but they cannot take the very word of God from us. And Jesus knows these plots. He knows these traps. And yet Jesus continues just to be who he is. Church, I want to encourage you. Just keep being who you are in Christ. Just keep remembering to shine that light for Jesus. Now, he does bring this up. There he sees this man who has a withered hand. It was probably paralyzed. It, was, it seems almost like it was shriveled up a little bit. And, and, and they point this man out to try to trap him. And they said, hey, listen, so is it okay for you to heal somebody on the Sabbath? And Jesus, there he is. He's looking at them. And he sees what's in their heart. And listen, I can see probably at this point that Jesus, that, that, that godly righteousness, that righteous anger was probably beginning to well up inside because not only were they trying to trap him and to put a burden on the people, but they were missing that this man himself was in a great need. And listen, had they prayed and sought the Lord, whether it was on the Sabbath or not on the Sabbath, perhaps this man could be healed. And he said, listen, you guys are ridiculous. That's my paraphrase, of course. But they're being ridiculous. They're being so hypocritical right here. Because they're willing to 
save a sheep. They're willing to save an animal who's injured or who gets trapped or gets put in a, in a bad position. But they're not allowed to help somebody, a person. He asks this question, he says, how much more valuable? And the, guys, this is a great point. Listen, animals matter to God too. Some people say that, you know, animals don't have any, any value to God. They do. We're going to see in heaven that the, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. What's the point here? It's this. You see, it was man that was made in the image of God. The sixth day, God created mankind. And, and, and he breathed life, his life he breathed into them. We know this from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds of the air. So now he's going to bring animals into this. He says, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day, today is its own troubles." And then Jesus turns around, listen guys, and what does he do? He heals this man. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Man, I, I just, I want to say this to you for a moment. What's the point of us teaching about the Sabbath right here, right now? It's this, is that the, the Sabbath was made for us. The Sabbath is about us taking a day and just stopping just being at rest. It's about us remembering the Lord. It's about remembering who He is in our life. It's about understanding that His desire for us is mercy, not sacrifice. God's not looking to see what you can do for Him. He's looking for you to abide in what He has done for you. I love that passage there in John where, where Jesus tells us about abiding. Abiding is being in a place of rest. And it's about as we abide that there's something productive that's happening. 
Man, I, I, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but some of us just need to stop. Some of us just needs to be still. To be still and to know that he is God. To be still and to know that he will be exalted in all the earth. To be still and to know that, listen, Jesus is still in heaven, seated high above us. There he is, living to make intercession for us. And what, is he, what do we see him? He's seated on the throne. He's seated. The only time that the priests were permitted to sit was when the work was finished. And there we see him sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus said in John 19, we said this last week and I'm going to say it again. You'll probably hear me say it for a while to come. But it is finished. The work is finished. And I want to remind you here today, it's still finished. I want to remind you today to to take a, a rest in God today. Free your mind up from whatever it is that's burdening you. If your burden is food or clothing or finances or toilet paper, whatever it might be, just rest. You can't add, you can't be productive by worrying. Believe me, I've been out and about. I have my time of rest, trust me. I have my time of rest. But I have been out and about just doing what God would have me do. And I can see the unrest in people. I, I can see the, the anxiety. I can hear in their conversations how overwhelmed they are. That when Costco says, I'm sorry, we don't have toilet paper or paper towels today, I can see the anguish on their face. And some people are making jokes about these things. And I'm going to laugh too at some of these things. Some of them are pretty funny. But what's not funny is how these people are really feeling. Listen, I know this because, listen, they don't have the peace of God because they've not yet made peace with God. And only Jesus can offer us a true Sabbath. Only Jesus can offer us the true rest that we need. Because, listen, once you know that the work is finished. Once you know that you can't do anything to earn your salvation, once you know that you have that salvation in Him, He is yours and you are His and nobody's going to take that away from you, all of a sudden, our perspective begins to change. And we go from a place, maybe in this time, where we stop holding on to things. We stop holding on to our abundance. We stop holding on to the toilet paper and the rice and the beans and the eggs and the uh, paper towels. We stop holding on to our finances. We stop holding on to our jobs. We stop holding on and holding on and holding on. Here's what I know about holding on. If we're not holding on to Jesus, then we're holding on to something else. And if we're holding on to something else, we're not holding on to Jesus. And here's why that matters. Listen, if I'm holding on to something other than Jesus, here's what I know. My hands are clenched before the Lord. And while I might hold on to what I have, eventually what I have is going to go away. But if I live like this before the Lord, the Lord gives 
and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And listen, I will find rest. I will find, I will have that rest in Jesus. And I want to encourage you today, be at rest, church. Be at rest. I'm not looking forward to a check that I'm supposed to get in the mail. I'm not counting on that. Are you counting on a check coming in the mail? Don't count on it. It may come, it may not come. Hopefully it will come. I pray that those things come because I know how the world works and I know that people need those things. But don't count on those things. Don't count on the check. Don't count on Costco. Don't count on... Don't even count on yourself. Don't think to yourself, if I go work twice as hard, I'm going to get twice as much. Stop. (laughs) Count on the Lord. Count on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, Church, if we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we're seeking the kingdom of God and what he declares to be true. And we, we, just, we just abide in that. Then all that God has for us, we will have. No man will take it away and no man will add to it. You will have all that God intends for you to have. And listen, when we, when we know that there is godliness With contentment, there is the great gain. I'm not going to find contentment in how much I have or don't have. I'm going to find my contentment in God. Godliness, that's that life in Christ. And being content with His will be done, it's a great gain for me. It's a great gain for you. Listen, a few verses down there, we're going to see in Matthew chapter 12, that he says that, that the bruised reed he will not break, that the smoking flax he will not quench out. This is the Lord's servant. And what is, what is he saying about the Lord's servant? He's saying that he's gentle. Remember last week, he's gentle and he's lowly of heart. God's going to deal with your situation, not with a hammer, but with gentleness. And I want to remind you this. Remember in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, he says, brethren, that's speaking to all of us as the body of Christ. If any of you has fallen in, in a trespass, if any of you has not done what you should have done, maybe you have held on to things, Maybe you have spoken out against your neighbor. Maybe you haven't been kind and you've been restless and you've been anxious. Whatever those things are, if you've fallen into those things, the Bible tells us, church, that when we see that person down, just as Jesus saw this man who had a withered hand, he said, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore them how? with a spirit of gentleness, the same gentleness of Jesus. Restore them with a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself. How would you want people to treat you when you're down? Do you want them to lord over you? Or do you want them to love you? Because you yourself may find yourself in that same situation. 
Then he says, and he says, and bear one another's burdens. Jesus was bearing this man's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ultimately, what's the law of Christ, guys? It's love. That's the law of Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world. If he was here to condemn the world, he would have been throwing law at them left and right because they were breakers of the law. But that the world through him, he says, might be saved. Church, let's be them. Let's be that group of people today. Let's be a people that love. Let's be a people that heal. Let's be a people that serve. Let's be a people who live in the light. But listen, at the heart of all that has to be rest. A true rest in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. God bless you guys. I am so thankful for you. So very thankful for you. Listen, and if me and my family, if we can do anything to serve you, please allow us to do that. Put your comments down below. Send me a message. Go to the website. Click on prayer. And those things will come to us. And we will do what we can to walk alongside you. But listen, I'm one person. And, and, and I can only do so much. So I trust and count, in the, count on the Lord to move upon your guys' hearts to reach out the, to the people in, in your sphere of influence. To be those people that are going to help out in a time of need. Be at rest, church. Jesus is on the throne. His mercy is going to triumph over any sacrifice. In James, I love it, it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So let's be merciful, let's be gracious, and let's be loving. Amen? Let me pray for us, and then, and then we will conclude. God bless you guys.